Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Most religions have that feature to them, especially cults and things like that, that you're not free to question. You are there to just submit. You're there to obey. You're there to whatever the leadership, the priest, whoever, whatever they tell you, you're to believe it, period. No questions asked. You know, that is not the case with the biblical faith. God allows us to question him. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study through the books of the Old Testament prophets. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Jeremiah chapters 11 through 15. Now here's Pastor Brian. As we go through these chapters with Jeremiah, the thing that was really standing out to me today was just the the struggles that he went through personally. And we'll see some of those as he had to persevere through very, very difficult times. And we're going to see his humanity. We're going to see his points of, of deep discouragement. But in the end, of course, Jeremiah trusted the Lord. So in chapters 11 through 15, we see the dark side of the prophet's experience. Uh, and we'll see it more in as we go through the 50-plus chapters. But this is sort of, the chapters we're looking at, this is like Jeremiah's low, low point. Early on in his prophetic ministry, Josiah is probably still reigning at this time. There's been a little bit of a, of a renewal. There's been like an awakening you know, some people have turned back to the Lord, but the vast majority of the nation did not turn back to the Lord. And so in these chapters, we see that Jeremiah is relentlessly persecuted, dejected, discouraged, headed to despair. He even questions the ways and the faithfulness of God. And the thing that I appreciate about that is it, it just is, is a reminder that, um, you know, as we're told in the book of James about Elijah, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. In other words, these guys were, they were completely human. They were just like us. And they were subjected to the same things that we are, discouragement and despair and questioning and wondering and even challenging God at certain points. And I think that's important to know because as we go through life and as we go through the challenges and difficulties and struggles and disappointments and whatever else comes along, you know, some, some people, they, they give off the impression that, you know, everybody as a Christian is supposed to go through life never being phased by anything, never bothered. It's not a problem. Hey, I'm trusting the Lord. And if you're struggling, then you're not trusting God and you better get it together. And that is just not reality. It's not reality in life in the 21st century. And it wasn't reality in the life back in the seventh century of the prophet Jeremiah. So, and, and as we've been doing, we're, we're, gonna, you know, we're highlighting certain portions of 
the chapter. So looking at the 11th chapter, what we're going to see here is the irreparable state of the nation. Um, The fact that God says to Jeremiah, he said this already, but he says it again, do not pray for them. And we're going to see here as well, Jeremiah's troubles and persecution. So let's just begin. We'll look at the first few verses and then I'll jump around to some other passages here. So the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, hear the words of this covenant and speak to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and say to them, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, cursed is the man who does not obey the words of this covenant, which I commanded your fathers in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt from the iron furnace saying, obey my voice and do according to all that I command you so shall you be my people, and I will be your God. So he emphasizes here, the Lord is emphasizing here that the command that he gave to them primarily was to be obedient. And that was the very thing that they were not. They, they, went, they were still doing the rituals, they were still doing the sacrifices, they were still going through the motions, but what they were not doing was obeying God. So Verse seven, for I earnestly exhorted your fathers in the day that I brought them up out of the land of Egypt until this day, rising early and exhorting, saying, obey my voice. Yet they did not obey or incline their ear, but everyone followed the dictates of his evil heart. Therefore, I will bring upon them all the words of this covenant, which I commanded them to do, but which they have not done. So again, we see this um, following the dictates of their evil heart. Everyone doing what's right in their own eyes. Everybody thinking that they know what's best. You know, it's just like the situation that has developed in our present world. People essentially think that they're good and they're good enough and they know what's best. And so if it's right in their eyes, that's what they do. That's what the people of Israel did back at that time. And so the Lord speaks of their idolatry. He says in verse 13, according to the number of your cities were your gods, O Judah. So, you know, Judah was a, was a region and Jerusalem was the center, but there were, you know, all kinds of cities there in the region of Judah. And each city had its own God, its own deity that they had set up in the place of the Lord. And so verse 14, do not pray for this people or lift up a cry or a prayer for them, for I will not hear them in the time that they cry out to me because of their trouble. So the Lord tells Jeremiah, don't pray for them. Now, as we come to verse 18, Jeremiah is expressing his own personal challenges and the persecution that he's going through. He says in verse 18, now the Lord gave me knowledge of it and I know it and you showed me their doings. So they were, uh, people were plotting against him. The Lord revealed that to him. Verse 19, but I was like a docile lamb brought to the slaughter and I did not know that they had devised schemes against me, saying, let us destroy the tree with its fruit. Let us cut him off from the land of the living, that his name may be remembered no more. So Jeremiah is saying, I was led like a docile lamb. In other words, he's just walking right into this. He doesn't really realize 
that there's a plot against him, but then the Lord reveals it to him, and then, of course, it becomes obvious to him. So he says, verse 20, but O Lord of hosts, you who judge righteously, testing the mind and the heart, let me see your vengeance on them, for to you I have revealed my cause. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the men of Anathoth. Now, Jeremiah was from Anathoth. So these are the people, these are his family and the people from his city. And remember from the early part, uh, Jeremiah was from a priestly family. So his family's highly religious, and yet they are opposing him as the Lord's prophet. So the men of Anathoth, they seek your life, the Lord's telling him, saying, do not prophesy in the name of the Lord, lest you die by our hand. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, behold, I will punish them. The young men shall die by the sword, their sons and their daughters shall die by famine, and there shall be no remnant of them, for I will bring catastrophe on the men of Anathoth, even the year of their punishment. And so chapter 12, chapter 12, Jeremiah expresses his perplexity over things, and then the Lord challenges Jeremiah and we'll see that challenge here in a moment. But look at verse one, righteous are you. Now, now listen to this. Righteous are you, O Lord, when I plead with you, yet let me talk with you about your judgments. So this is a polite way of saying, Lord, I don't really get why you do what you do. You're righteous, yes, yes, I know. But Lord, let me just talk to you about your judgments because I know you're righteous, but it doesn't seem like you're righteous. And why? Because the wicked prosper. Why does the wicked prosper? The way the wicked prosper, why are those happy who deal so treacherously? You have planted them, yes, they have taken root. They grow, yes, they bear fruit. You are near in their mouth, but far from their mind. Man, Jeremiah was surrounded by religious hypocrites. So, you know, they, they honor God with their lips, but they're trying to kill him, and he's the prophet. Jeremiah is, you know, in a sense, he has a, a little bit of a taste of what Jesus would experience when he would come into the world, right? It's the same kind of situation. People were honoring God with their lips, but then they were trying to, to have Jesus put to death. And so Jeremiah is experiencing that same thing. He says, but you, O Lord, know me. You have seen me. You have tested my heart toward you. I like the, again, the candidness of Jeremiah. And one of the things that we can learn from reading this is that we can be candid with the Lord. There will come times in our lives when we will say, Lord, I know you're righteous, but I do not get it. I really don't know how a righteous God would allow this. And the beautiful thing is God allows us to have these kinds of questions. Do you know in Islam, for example, a Muslim can't ask a question like that. A Muslim could not stand up and challenge Allah. 
and say, you know, Allah, I just think you're doing something wrong. I mean, that would be, you know, pretty serious offense, right, Sammy? That would not go over too well, would it, in the Islamic world? Um, and, and, you know, most religions have that feature to them, especially cults and things like that, that you're, you're not free to question. You are there to just submit. You're there to obey. You're there to whatever the leadership, the priest, whoever, whatever they tell you, you're to believe it, period. No questions asked. You know, that is not the case with the biblical faith. God allows us to question him. He even allows us at times to challenge him and to say, Lord, I don't get it. And it's, it's okay to do that. It's, it's real life. And, you know, any of us that have lived a while and walked with the Lord a while, I would imagine, I know I have, I have said to the Lord, I don't get it. I've said it 10,000 times. I don't get it. There are many things I do not get. And sometimes you finally see, maybe years down the road, you look back, oh, I get it now. But I did not get it in the middle of it. That's the problem. The problem is always in the midst of it, you don't get it. But then there's some things I went through and I look back and I still don't get it. But that's okay. So, (laughs) but again, you know, this is, I, I just think it's important that we know that we can have this kind of, we have this kind of a relationship with God where we can speak to him our heart. We can, you know, as Paul tells us in Ephesians, we can come boldly. We, we can come boldly. And we can come boldly with confidence. And that implies that we can say what's on our mind. And we can know that God, God's okay with that. So he's you know, laying out his complaint. He's expressing his frustration. And he then goes on, pull them out like sheep for the slaughter and prepare them for the day of slaughter. How long will the land mourn and the herbs of the field wither? The beasts, the birds are consumed for the wickedness of those who dwell there because they said he will not see our final end. And now listen to the Lord's response to Jeremiah. The Lord said this, if you have run with the footmen, and they have wearied you, then how can you contend with horses? And if in the land of peace in which you trusted they wearied you, then how will you do in the floodplain of the Jordan? For even your brothers, the house of your father, even they have dealt treacherously with you. Yes, they have called a multitude after you. Do not believe them, even though they speak smooth words to you. You know, so here it is. It's kind of a two-way street. Jeremiah is speaking candidly to the Lord. Yeah, Lord, I know you're good, but what about this? And the Lord says, Jeremiah, you got to toughen up, buddy. You got to get tougher because you think this is bad? You are running with footmen. What are you going to do when, when you have to run alongside the horses? And that's what the Lord says to Jeremiah. What are you going to do if in the land of peace, now, remember, Jeremiah is going to run with the horsemen. He is literally going to do it because the Babylonians are going to destroy the city and he's going to be there to see it all. So, but the immediate situation is the Lord says, Jeremiah, your own family members have betrayed you. They're the ones that are plotting against you. So 
Then as um, just another quick little note from chapter 12 at the, toward the end of the chapter there in verses 14 and 15, listen to this. It says, thus says the Lord, against all my evil neighbors who touch the inheritance which I have caused my people Israel to inherit. So here's a word from the Lord to all of those surrounding nations. And he says, um, behold, I will pluck them out of their land and pluck out the house of Judah from among them. So all these nations that surround Judah, God says he's gonna deal with them as well. And he did do that with the Babylonians. But I think there's something here that's even out further into the future, even beyond us. I think this takes us out to the end when God, you know, when nations surround Israel once again, and when they come against the Lord's inheritance, and they are then judged. But then listen to this word. Then it shall be after I have plucked them out that I will return and have compassion on them and bring them back, everyone to his heritage and everyone to his land. So there's, there's a coming scattering of those nations. And I think this is during the tribulation period. But then there will be a, a restoration. And remember from our study in Isaiah, in the 19th chapter, remember how the Lord talks about in the future, my people Israel, my people Egypt, and my people Assyria will all come together and they will worship me. So I think it's a similar kind of a thing that's being predicted here. So chapter 13, chapter 13 is uh, the Lord instructing Jeremiah to do something, to, to kind of act out a prophecy against Israel. And so let me just read a little bit of it. We, we will just read this part and then we'll move into chapter 14. But here's what it says. Thus says the Lord, go and get yourself a linen sash and put it around your waist, but do not put it in water. So Jeremiah is to get himself, you know, this waistband thing. And he says that he got it according to the word of the Lord and he put it around his waist and the word of the Lord came to me a second time saying, take the sash that you acquired, which is around your waist and arise and go to the Euphrates and hide it there in a hole in a rock. So I went and hid it by the Euphrates as the Lord commanded me. Now, the word that is translated Euphrates, I think it's like perwa. It means the source. And so some people say that this was a, a water source that was just a few miles away from Anathoth. And that's where Jeremiah took it and hid it. The Euphrates is, of course, the Euphrates River, which flowed through the center of Babylon, which was hundreds of miles away from Jeremiah. So did Jeremiah make the journey all the way over to the Babylonian area there, probably not. So this is probably a reference to that water source that was nearer to them, although it is possible that he made this long trek back and forth. It would be like 700 miles back and forth. Uh, it is possible that he did that, but it's more likely that it was a, a nearer source. So I went and hid it by the Euphrates as the Lord commanded me. Now it came to pass after many days that the Lord said to me, arise, Go to the Euphrates and take from there the sash which I commanded you to hide there. Then I went to the Euphrates 
and dug, and I took the sash from the place where I had hidden it, and there was the sash ruined. It was profitable for nothing. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, thus says the Lord, in this manner, I will ruin the pride of Judah and the great pride of Jerusalem. So the argument for it being the actual Euphrates is that the, the picture is that God's gonna destroy Judah through the Babylonians. And so that could very well be the case. But the, the water source even nearer to them could have also in some way been a representation of that, but uh, we don't know for sure. But anyway, the point, so the Lord, as he would do sometimes through the prophets, he would have them prophesy by, by going through these, these different acts. They would act out the prophetic message, not just speak it. And so it's the, the sash is representative of the nation and the fact that it's ruined is the word that the Babylonians are going to come and destroy the city. And so the rest of the chapter is just sort of elaborating on some of the judgments and things like that. So let's, let's jump over to chapter 14. And so here in chapter 14, we see the two things. Again, the prophecy of the coming judgment And also, we see Jeremiah's plea for the deliverance, and we see that that plea is rejected by God. And so, it's really, you know, kind of a, it's a pretty heavy thing. But look at verse 7, O Lord, though our iniquities testify against us, do it for your name's sake. Down in verse 9, Yet you, O Lord, are in the midst, and we are called by your name. Do not leave us. And then in verse 13, then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, the prophets say to them, You shall not see the sword, nor shall you have famine, but I will give you assured peace in this place. And the Lord said to me, the prophets prophesy lies in my name. I have not sent them, commanded them, nor spoken to them. They prophesy to you a false vision, divination, a worthless thing, and the deceit of their own hearts. Therefore, thus says the Lord, concerning the prophets who prophesy in my name, whom I did not send, and who say, sword and famine shall not be in this land. By sword and famine, those prophets shall be consumed. So the prophets, remember early on, we read that statement, the, pro, the priest uh, minister in their own strength and the prophets prophesy lies and my people love to have it that way. And so Jeremiah is the, he's like the lone voice that's saying judgment is coming. The Babylonians are gonna come. They're gonna destroy this place. Now for that, he was considered to be a traitor. That was treason as far as they were concerned. He was... Later on in the, in the book, we're going to see that they accused him of actually being in the employment of the Babylonians. That the Babylonians were paying him to weaken the hands of the people through his lies. So the false prophets were saying that none of these things were going to happen.
for the month of September. Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled, Forgive, Why Should I and How Can I by Timothy Keller. With so much social, cultural, and relational unrest, all of us need to forgive or be forgiven in either small or significant ways. Have you ever found it difficult to forgive someone for a wrong they committed against you? What if that person never apologized? How can you forgive someone who hasn't even acknowledged they have done something wrong? In his book, Forgive, Timothy Keller lays out the path of forgiveness that leads to reconciliation rather than the path of unforgiveness that can lead towards retaliation. You'll learn about the power of forgiveness that can bring freedom both to the one who forgives and the one who has been forgiven. We are living in a time where forgiveness is desperately needed. If you're struggling with forgiveness or even guilt, then you need to get this month's resource from Back to Basics. The book Forgive, Why Should I and How Can I by Timothy Keller is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Jeremiah. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.